Word is South Africa. Shout out to Carl Word. Yo, this is Will Clark, and you are currently listening to Kyle Word on After Hours. Bro, so yeah, we briefly met when you were here, Truth, and it was a bit of a, a yeah. mess, mess of a night. But uh, speaking of which, how did you, not, not in a mess of a night, of, um, it went really well, but everybody at the club, I think, just drank far too much. How did you find uh, South Africa? It was amazing, man. Obviously, I didn't. I was there for like two days, um, so got to hang out and like did a few tourist things. Obviously, I would have loved to have like been there longer and kind of yeah. gone to a few different places rather than just uh, where I came to. And it was it was amazing though. Like I think I played the last night of Truth. Yes, yeah, it was one of the last nights. Uh, yeah, um, yeah, which was why it was. Geez, it was it was it was chaos, you know. And it's not, it's not a very big club, um, and I'm sure not as big as what uh, you generally used to from going from different clubs. I don't know, man. Truth is huge. Like they, the amount of rooms in that venue is insane. That's pretty cool, though. Did you manage to go to all all four of them? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Went to all of them. Um, my favorite one was the obviously the main room was really cool, but my yeah. favorite one was at the top where they like it was like the cake. Upstairs, the upstairs floor. <laughs> yeah, yeah. That that generally is always has got the coolest vibe because it's really small and really intimate. And yeah, like, anybody that plays there generally can take everybody on like this wild journey. And and I can tell you something, that place uh, used to go sometimes till ten, eleven o'clock in the morning. <laughs> really. So yeah. yeah I, it, it was an amazing place. Shame that it's closed down, but yeah, all, all good things got to come to an end, right? That that's the thing, man. And uh, well, what's keeping you sane at the moment? Uh, being on lockdown. I mean, we've been on lockdown now, going into our third week, but on really, really strict instructions. Yeah. And I know the rest of the world is, and some some places are a bit more lenient. But how's things your side? Um, I think obviously I'm really lucky. I when I'm back in the UK, I live in the middle of nowhere. So it's like in the countryside, like beautiful. So, and actually where I live, like the whole of the Southwest is like the lowest amount of cases in the whole of the UK. Um, so yes, obviously everyone's on lockdown. However, (laughs) when I'm here, I kind of don't do anything apart from (laughs) sit in the studio yeah. Or go for a run or go to the gym. So, like, luckily I've, like, been able to set up, like, a prison gym in uh, over the field. <laughs> um, yeah. I, I can still work out. Um, and obviously, like, going to the shops is a little sparse. Like, you just go to groceries, you don't see anyone, which sucks. But it doesn't really – it's not really affected me apart from, obviously, not playing. On yeah, the sure. Sure. Do you kind of enjoy it? Do you find out uh, that you, 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 as much as there is a creativity process when things aren't on lockdown and you are in a go, go, go uh, matter aspect and traveling to get deadlines done, do you find now that when you actually have all this time, you're more creative or sometimes you have a bit of a block because you've got too much time on your hands? I, I'm kind of 
I work very weirdly, which I don't know many people, many of like out of any of my mates, I don't know many people that do it. But even when I'm touring like three days a week, I treat like I treat it like a job, although I absolutely love it, but I treat it like a job. So like I have a very strict routine where I wake up every day at like obviously like during the week when I'm not touring, I'll wake up at like eight, seven thirty, eight AM, go yeah. to the gym, work out, do like admin stuff like emails and all that bullshit. Sure. And then I just get in the studio. Really, um, that's good. I mean, that, that keeps you. I'm sure. I mean, regardless of whatever's going on around the world, keeps you in a good mental space as well. Um, having yeah, a str- for for me is I <clears throat> obviously it sucks at the moment, but just generally I I have like just like everybody, we have good days and bad days in the studio. Yeah. Like today, I've finished a record I've been working on for the last two days, which has been doing my head in, and then literally two hours later, I'd finished a. I started and finished a whole new record. So it's like, and I'm working currently, literally like working on a new one now. So it could be three records done in one day. Yeah. Other days it could be like, (laughs) I I won't get anything done and I'll feel awful and feel depressed about it and feel really shit about it. Try and beat myself up. But at the end of the day, it's just the joys of having a process. It's that creative process that you kind of, I kind of have to go through and everyone goes through it and everyone deals with it in a different way. Yeah, yeah, and, and straight up, big up on Hallelujah, man! It's amazing. I love it. Uh, tell me a bit about the the journey of getting that out. Was it was it a bit of a process? Yeah, it's been a process. Um, but what's happened? So obviously, the original is Candy Staten. Yeah. Um, Hallelujah. Anyway, uh, I did a rework. I did I did that record. I had the acapella that I just bought on Beatport. Like I think this was January or even November 2018. Sure. Uh, I, it could have been January 2019. And I just I sent it to the said record label that owns it without mentioning any names. Um yeah. and they were like, We we don't want to we like it, but we don't want to do anything with it. So I was like, oh, that's absolutely fine. Like, I just did it off an off chance. I did it mostly for my DJ sets. I didn't sure. do it for anything else. Sure. Um, sent it to a few mates, and literally, it got played by some of the, like the biggest guys in Ibiza all summer. Um, during the summer, I sent it to the record label again, and they were like, "No, nah, we don't want to do anything with it." Yeah. Um, so we then tried to license it for. A different record label um and uh, it was just not a good deal at all back and Um, back and forth yeah it was it 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 actually started in march um the trying to sort a deal out started in march and we well no there's probably a lie actually probably yeah march time roughly and then it got so much love over the summer um, you kind and of then I was like, yourself for them to go right, guys. Listen, why not? Yeah, but I, I kind of got to the point where it had been so much hard work to try and get everything done, and I was obviously planning my own record label at that time as well. Yeah. Um, so we kind of had a meeting as a label, and was like, 
let's just get it resung. Um, and because obviously the said record label didn't own the publishing, we knew we could clear the publishing. Yeah. Um, we just couldn't clear that original, that original vocal. Um, so yeah, and then <laughs> they ended up asking to release it, and <laughs> really, like, yeah, it came back around where they were chasing me like on a weekly basis for it, and we kind of just it got to the point where like it's kind of embarrassing like the offers they were kind of giving, um, yeah. and they were yeah, it, it wasn't it's not the way it kind of came across it. It was just extremely like trying to be quite aggressive. Sure. And sure. for me, that's not how I roll. Like, yeah. they, like I've known everybody there for a long time. Like, just pick up the phone. We yeah. can actually like talk this out. But it didn't happen that way. So I ended up putting it out. It it caused a bit of a ruckus, but it's all done now, and it is what it is, and the yeah. record's out. And if I'm honest with you, like. A lot of people don't know the original, which obviously because it came out a long time ago. Um, and uh, I've like ever since I made it, I've had people asking me for it, like left, right, and center. Yeah. So I, it was it was just to the point where it's like I just want to put good music out. I just want I just want to make good music, and I want everybody to be able to experience it and have fun to it. And then um, dealing with all these record labels, obviously, is what led you to um, start your own, obviously, so you could avoid this sort of back and forth. Kind of. Um, there's part, partly that, yeah. Having, like, I, I've always wanted to have my own label, but I've always wanted to do it properly. And it took, it took myself and my manager, Ryan, about a year to put everything together and get the right team around around it and kind of plan everything out correctly. Yeah. Uh, and realistically, it's the best thing I've ever done. Um, and it's not, it's not really to be like, fuck record labels, because record labels yeah. are the reason why I'm here. For sure. It's more so, it's, it's more so, so that I can do what I want when I want. I write so much music, um, let's say for instance, the first release on the record, on the record label, you take me higher. Like yeah. that, that wouldn't fit on any other, on any other label. Like it, that's not the sound of anyone else. Yeah. It's not the sound of any other record label. And, and as I'm sure, you know, and some of your listeners know, like record labels have their own sounds. Absolutely. And to kind of sign to a record label, you have to kind of be, you have to be, you have to want to sound like that that their label to a certain extent yeah that makes sense and yeah. which I think is great I think we all need like we all need an identity and that's what these labels give give us but the the sound that I wanted to do just wasn't I wanted to create a will Clark sound yeah and I couldn't do that on somebody else's label For and sure. I I'd, I'd, I've I've had some amazing releases and signed on some amazing labels, especially last year with like True Soul, Drum Code, Need yeah, Pain. We had, um, like, the drum we had some amazing things. Yeah. But for me, I was just like, I just wanted to have my own thing and control yeah. it however I want. And I like, 
when you sign to a record label, sometimes your music's not coming out for six months. Exactly. Yeah. Yeah. And for me, it's like we when I took on Matt, uh, my my manager Ryan, we've been working together just over a year now, um, and we wanted to just like plan everything like strategically. And I know it sounds less music and more business, but sure. it, like we want to plan tours around the releases. We want to plan things around. We, we want to make everything a special moment so that the people that come and see me or the people that come and listen to my music can actually get the full experience. Yeah. And when you're kind of relying on other people to kind of give you dates and et cetera, et cetera. Exactly. It's like you're, 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 it's out of your control. And when we just wanted to bring everything into our control, yeah. um, and it's great. And it's, uh, I mean, up until, I mean, so you said about a year ago working with Ryan and I mean, that was, that's obviously one of the most important aspects is finding uh, a team that you can work with that are on the same page so that you can yeah. actually get everything done. So, so who you surround yourself with is pretty important. And other, other than um, from Ryan on that side, do you have more of a team that you deal with per country um, or is it straight up one HQ with the two of you guys? Yeah, so uh, I have, so Ryan is my manager. Yeah. Uh, and then I have agents in America, which is Paradigm, uh, Cody and Zach. Sure. And I have uh, agents in Europe, and they that's uh, NGE agency, which is Joe. Um, so they're the kind of two that look after UK, Europe, Americas, and the rest of the world, really. And I see a, a, a big part of your tour uh, earlier this year and in the past is predominantly America. Yeah. And uh, how, how's, how's that been? Have you considered uh, spending more time in America with uh, um, how the tours have been going? So I spend 90% of my life in America. So I actually, when I'm in, when I'm touring, I'm, I just, and this, this comes from like my original signings when I used to sign to Dirty Bird like I built up a fan base well I don't like to call it fan base but I built up a good following in America and that's where 90% of my touring is Um, so last year and currently the whole plan is to keep the American touring but also grow to other territories Um, and move into more of like I'm English, if you know what I mean. I have more of a European sound anyway. Yeah, yeah. Um, and for me, it's just like trying to keep keep on at that so that we can kind of move bookings to UK, Europe, yeah. and the world. Like I've done Japan a couple of times and want to really concentrate on Asia as well and Australia. Yeah. And it's, it, for me, it's like this, is, this isn't like this is my livelihood if you know what i mean and i kind of want to just be able to experience as much as i possibly can yeah um and and for me to really concentrate on uk and europe and some other territories is really important to me and it has been from day one yeah however i was super lucky that i seem to do well in america before anything else which is awesome yeah i'm super lucky and it's it's like with kyle like kyle watson like yeah like we both 
we're both mates of Carl and like he's kind of similar obviously he's big in South Africa but yeah he's bigger he's big in America as well yeah um and that was just kind of from his sound as well so uh, yeah it's it's fun man I love and it with the uh, with traveling you managed to get a lot of music production done on the road or are you more uh, aligned to wanting to stick to your studio it depends what mood I'm in um, do you find wherever you are or obviously inspire a different sound because I know quite a, quite a few producers that I, I speak to they're, they're quite rigid in the sense that if I'm going to make music I've got to be in my studio and that's that but then there's the other side of people can be in Japan and Asia and America wherever they are and they can make a completely differently inspired sound or a different, in- different yeah, yeah. song I feel that um I prefer to write in a studio, but if I'm, if I have an idea, I'll work on it. So like yeah. the first time, to, the first time I went to Japan, I wrote a record on the plane just cause I was like feeling super inspirational. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. It just, it just like, was what it yeah, is. No, you, like, you, can't, you can't tell these things. <laughs> yeah. yeah. And some, and like, I don't know if you know the Percolator remix I did. Yes, uh, absolutely. I, like, I did that pretty quickly on a plane. Um, yeah. Just depends on the, the vibe, but everything always goes back to the studio. For so sure. I've got, some, I've got some mates that don't, and they make amazing music on the road. Yeah. Um, but for me, I always kind of have to go back to the studio. And then tell me what your plans. I mean, I know uh, you, you've been swinging over some of the Billy Irish remixes, which I really love. Um, how have those been received? Um, it, obviously, within the live, live tours, uh, before you send them out to anybody, but once you send them out, how's the feedback been on those? Yeah, amazing, man. I think, obviously, the first Billie Eilish remix I did, again, I actually did that in a hotel room in, like, two hours. Yeah. And <laughs> it was just like I was... I just got to LA. Yeah. I really wanted to do a Billie Eilish record because I really like her vocals. I think she's fucking amazing. Yeah. And I actually, I much prefer working with vocalists on records. I'd rather have a vocalist sat next to me and kind of write an actual song and then me turn it into a club record. Sure. Um, so I was like, fuck it, let's just try it. And it was really simple. And then I sent it to Chris Lake and Chris like added a baseline to it. Yeah. That you can't, I kind of put it really low in the mix. Um, but that kind of added some, to, some bits to it. And it just like, it just kind of happened. And then I played it on, I kept on playing it at shows and then I put it on my Instagram and like within like 30 minutes, we had like 500 comments <laughs> and I was like, Oh fuck! Like, I need to, <laughs> I need to keep with this. So then we sent it to Billy's team. Yeah, um, and they were like, "Look, we really like this, but we can't. We're not putting remixes out." Yeah, yeah. Um, but they they were like, "Look, we understand you you want to get this out, so you can put it out as a free download if you want." That's um, so yeah, and then. The second Billie Eilish, which is Everything I Wanted record, not many people have it. I just did it as like a little giveaway the other day if people pre-ordered my record. 
Yeah. Um, I actually rode that in Berlin. Um, I was on, I had meetings in Berlin with my manager. Um, and he was like, we, it was awful. I just got back from Australia. He just flew in from, he flew into London from LA. I flew in to London from Australia. And then we had to go to mine in the country. Mm. Then we had meetings. I can't even remember how it is. We had meetings in Bristol. And then the next day we had to get up at like 4am and then drive to the airport to have, to have meetings in Berlin. Um, So we were like, our body clocks were all over the shop and the morning we, we had a morning off I'm in Berlin and I was just walking around Berlin and this, like everything I ever wanted just got released. I think yeah. it was November last year. Yeah. Um, and I was just like, I can remix this in like no time. Yeah. So I went to the hotel room, did a remix quickly in two hours <laughs> and then it is what it is. I didn't, yeah. I literally only did that for my DJ sets. I did that. There was no reason for me to do it for anything else. I just did it for my for DJ sure. sets. For sure. Uh, tell me with the COVID-19 being on lockdown, uh, what's, what's been postponed? What's been canceled? Uh, what, what did you have in, in the pipeline for 2020, which had to be put on a hold? We had a lot things that there's like a few things that, weren't announced that I can't announce. Yeah, <laughs> sure. Um, but luckily I I had my open to close tour for the all we have is now uh label launch. Luckily we all of the shows got done apart from one in Seattle. Um however I had about end of March to April I had about fifteen shows cancelled. Um and I was actually flying back to the UK on the 16th of April, which yeah. I came back a month earlier, but I had shows in the UK. So I had a show in Leeds. I had a show in Lincoln. Um, so they've all been canceled, but yeah. I actually took, I took April, like from when I came back to the UK, apart from those two shows, yeah. I'd actually took like two months off. Okay. Um, so luckily not too much has been affected at this moment in time. Yeah. Apart from the like 15 shows that did get canceled, yeah. but it is what it is. Um, I have shows that haven't been announced that are in July, which I think they're going to get canceled. Um, a few shows have been postponed. But I, I just, I honestly don't see any shows happening this year. As, yeah. as depressing yeah. as that sounds. Um, no, it's, listen, it, it's terrible. And so, like from my side, um, apart from uh, the odd DJ gig that I do, a big focus of uh, my day to day is I have a marketing company that focuses on events and entertainment. And when this all came came along. Um, Obviously, you've got to be optimistic, but the way that things are going and the way that things are looking, it's as if this year is pretty much a massive write-off um, yeah. across across the world. And obviously, everybody's suffering from it, but it hits the entertainment and any face-to-face, people-to-people, um, interactional businesses directly. It's absolutely insane. So I can I can only imagine. I mean, what we're only in April now, with what would have been uh, over the Ibiza period as well. 
Um, yeah, so I, I can't quote on anything specific on what they've actually said. Yeah. The things I've read, I've read that Ibiza, and I could be wrong, so I, everything changes every day, as, as we no, know. Exactly. But, exactly. But as of Ibiza, um, I've read that June, July, August, is they, they're not allowing any tourists. Um, and then maybe September and October, they might be opening. for, mm-hmm. But it will be very limited amount. Um, I feel like for places like I'd be, I feel sorry for a lot of people, if you know what I mean. Yeah. I'm in a lucky position that at this moment in time, I'm okay. Um, and I am lucky enough that I financially okay. If you know what I mean, I can't go on without working forever. Um, sure. but it doesn't at this moment in time, I'm not like, I've got a house over my head and I've got food in my belly, which is more than what most people get, more than what most people get it on a normal day, if you know what I mean. Um, That's a scary thing. You know that being in South South Africa, like the Mm. amount of poverty there is insane. I think... It's crazy. Yeah, I remember when I came through and like drove through Alexander. Yeah. um, And I was like... Like it's it's super sad and and I think this is the thing is like yes coronavirus is not good and especially here you know you mentioned you you went through Alexandra and you uh, see certain areas of South Africa never mind uh, up in North of Africa or Central Africa of what doesn't get discussed daily you know so yeah. and, and that's the one thing that I find and not to get too political. But the one thing that I find with this, yes, it's a global pandemic, but it, it is um, taking over so many other more important uh, concerns that people should be, um, that be, should be aware of. Well, I think the thing is, is that because it's not on everyone's doorstep, hmm. It's not something they have to worry about. Exactly. But now Corona is part of everywhere and everyone's been affected by it. Yeah. Like the people that have like, and this includes me, like I try to be extremely grateful for what I've got. Um, and I am like, I'm super fucking lucky. Um, but I think we live in this outrage culture at this moment in time where no one's necessarily actually ever had to struggle like really fucking struggle. Yeah, yeah. And I think now when everything's been taken away from them, like you don't get all this, like all the shit talk and everything that like people worry about. If you say one bad thing online yeah. and they want to cancel you, that, that's kind of gone, gone down a lot. Um, the one thing that I really dislike during this time is, is the blame culture is that like, presidents and prime ministers and governments and like people of higher authority are just getting blamed left right and center and it's like we why why do you have to blame anyone like nobody actually know like not not even the brightest people in the world not even the big the best scientists and what like biology or anybody knows like how this is going so just let people do what they are there to do and like be nice to each other. And yeah. I think this is like the crazy thing. Like, I've actually really struggled to like be on, 
to be on Twitter and on, not on Instagram and stuff like that in certain cases because there's so much negativity and I'm like, guys, like, you're alive. Yeah. Like, yeah. and yeah, you might not have the best life and you might not be earning the most amount of money and et cetera, et cetera, but you're alive and if luckily if you have your lo- your loved ones around you and you have your friends around you then you're what more can you complain about why why complain that somebody's not doing something right it's like yeah. did you do a better job well, no exactly. so why complain about it and I, and I think that's the thing that i struggle with but i really i'm being optimistic and really hoping that some really good things come out of this and I, people I, I, become I do- a little Firstly, um, I do think it's, it's there are going to be some really good things that come out of it from a reset point of view. And I also think it's brought a lot of people together, apart from the negativity that lives online. But that, yeah. lives, on, that lives online on an everyday basis about everybody's opinion about everything. So that you'll never yeah. get, get away from. But the, uh, the one thing that has been pretty amazing that uh, it, it has shone through is the unity that's come worldwide. Yeah, no, I totally agree. I think um, I think it's nice, and I really hope it kind of brings. I I hope it stays. Yeah. Afterwards. Yeah, yeah. So sure. literally, without being cliche, but keep that togetherness aspect. <laughs> you know, because prior to that, it was very, very uh, me versus you. Now everybody's got this mentality of we're all in this together that's something that we could have always dealt with a long time ago or would have been better off with. Yeah. I, I think it's struggle. I think that's the thing is when, when everyone has everything so good, yeah, it, small things start to turn into something that's an issue. And in the grand scheme of things, it's not an issue. Yeah. You go to like, you go to extremely poor places and places where that they barely have anything to live for, yet they're the happiest people around. Yeah. And then you go to somebody that has everything you ever need and have something to complain about. Mm. And you're just like, well, it just kind of says it all. If you have if you have to struggle to live, if you if you don't have anything, a lot of the time you're kind of in a good situation and you're really sure. happy and I think hopefully it kind of turns turns that round and makes people realize it's like oh shit yeah. I have it fucking good. But uh, COVID nineteen and coronavirus aside, um, tell me a bit about um, uh, there was the barbershop podcast which uh, just recently came to an end, right? And you've just started the new World Clark podcast. Yeah, um, and that's quite interesting. That's really cool. It's a, it's a conversation generally outside of the music scene. The first. The first few, um, I, I had a look at um, a few days ago as well, just general conversation with either mates of yours or people yeah. in different industries. Yeah, yeah. So I stopped the barbershop in November last year, which was, I think we did it for four years, or I did it for four years, and I just got to the point where I wasn't really enjoying it. That's um, amazing, though, taking... considering the amounts of podcasts that are out there. And people that have the, the follow through for it. So four years. Yeah. Brilliant. Yeah, we did it. I did it for a while and it just got to the point where 
I I just wasn't really feeling it. I don't. Yes. So it was like more of a music based podcast. And personally, I don't listen to mixes, and I I don't listen to DJ sets or anything like that. That's just not what I would spend my time doing. And I was making a radio show, and it was like this just doesn't feel right to me. Like I wouldn't listen to this myself. So why am I expecting people to listen to it? Um, so I've always, even f- I think from like 20, the end of 2018, beginning of 2019, I always wanted to do a conversational podcast, but I didn't want to, it was whilst I was going through like rebranding and oh, I hate that word rebranding. But I was like building, I was building the label and I was yeah. kind of doing a lot of things. So I didn't want to just like release it and it not, I didn't want to release it. Yeah, like, no, for sure. And just, I didn't want to push too many things onto people really. Yeah. Um, so I stopped the, the, the barbershop and I said on the last episode, I'm going to be bringing something new to, for you guys. It's just in the planning. Yeah. Um, and yeah, two, three weeks ago, I launched the Will Clark podcast, um, which is, yeah, it's just, I didn't want it to be about music. Um, sure. As like, I'm sure you are like in yeah. your life, you have, you have different, you have different things that you like to do. You have different, exactly. you like enjoy doing other things. You have yeah. hobbies and you have family and you have friends and you probably yeah. have some really interesting friends and yeah. whatever. And I, for me, I was like, obviously there's going to be a lot of music talk there. Yeah. Obviously that's what I do. But realistically, it was just like, I just want to get my mates on um, yeah. and Which just have awesome. a laugh. And yeah. yeah. I mean, those conversations that happen that I, I generally never planned are the best. And that the, just going back to your points of uh, what, what this is also about, yeah, there's music talk, but it's also connecting people around the world and being able to just have a, a conversation as opposed to sitting down with notes and cards going right question one multiple choice yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> you know so totally, that's totally. The, and that that's uh, also what I've I, I only managed to get through uh, one episode this week so far but it's cool and conversational and I, I love it you know and I don't think which, a lot you, of people, which one did you listen to uh, it was the episode one the, okay great yeah. yeah um yeah and that's it is like I I'm really looking forward to when I can like actually be in the same room with people and like have a conversation. I've I've, like, I bought up, I bought like enough mics so that I can have like four people all at once. And And no, that that was the same thing for after hours. And uh, like, thank you again for uh, being part of this. The whole point was, um, to be in in the same room as people and sit around, have a drink, and maybe have a conversation. But we've had to kick things yeah. off like this, you know. <laughs> yeah, yeah, yeah. That's the thing. It's just like it is what it is. But yeah, I'm looking forward to that, and I'm just I'm just enjoying it. Like that's the nice. thing, and I think I'm really lucky. I'm in a really lucky position where I just do things that I enjoy, and if I don't enjoy it, I don't do it. Yeah, and. I'm I'm lucky enough that I can do that, but I truly think also during this time, I think people can really work out what they enjoy in life Absolutely. and what they don't enjoy. And yeah, if yeah. you don't enjoy it, you don't have to, like don't do it. Even even if you're earning fucking loads of money, just yeah. don't do it. It's not life isn't revolved around money. Um, and and this is it. Like I, 
I knew that this podcast isn't going to be like something that's going to just blow off and do really well straight away. I didn't, I didn't, it doesn't bother me how well it does. I just enjoy doing it. So like looking at the stats and I'm like, the the numbers are pretty weak, but I don't care because it's fun. Yeah. Um, and also it's doing something outside of so music yeah. touring. Uh, and especially obviously on lockdown you'll be making music but at this point you can still have conversations like these even be it on means or zoom or skype or whatever yeah you know totally man which is great and outside of uh, uh production and your own podcasts uh, that you're putting together what do you enjoy listening to the most and we'll get we'll get into uh like your most played, overplayed album later, but like from a news uh, podcast or conversational point of view, what do you find the most fascinating at the moment? Because there's so much out there. Yeah, I'm kind of a sucker for Joe Rogan. I listen to a lot of Joe Rogan. He's fantastic, yeah. Um, I, I like Tika's <laughs> podcast, the yeah. last party last party on this on the earth or something like that. Yeah, That's yeah. That's a really good yeah. podcast. Very cool. Um, I like how we built this, which is like a business podcast. Yeah. Then if you've then if you listen to that, um, I listen to Fighter and the Kid with Brendan Shaw and Brian Callen. Um, that's about it. There's a few other things, but yeah, sure. I'm really fussy with who I can listen to. I get I it really annoys me. Listen, like there's a there's a there's a few podcasts out there that I think could be really good, but the person just annoys me presenting it. So I'm like, <laughs> <laughs> no, listen, there's a test for everybody. If, if they start off, I, I'm probably oh, that God. guy. Like, <laughs> I, I'm probably that guy that like people listen to my podcast. And, oh, I can't fucking listen to this. <laughs> well, hopefully, uh, when you listen to this back, you're not going to go, oh, God, you know, I dreaded that conversation. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, we're good. We're good. Um, but, but yeah, man, so, I mean, at what point did you say things really started to uh, to blow up on a touring scale? Was it the minute you joined and linked up with the Dirty Bird crew? Um, Pretty much, yeah. From there on. Pretty much, yeah. And then, like 2004, uh, I mean, another big uh, part of it was remixing uh, your mind on drum code as well. I'm sure all of those, get, I mean, obviously getting on different labels with different sounds, but those all did help, like the trajectory that you had for yourself, right? I think it's really strange. It's a really strange industry where, like, for me, like I've not had a hit record, what somebody would class a hit record, if you know what I mean. I've not had one of those records that, like, just blows you out the fucking stratosphere, if you know what I mean. Sure, yeah. Where where a record gets released and then literally you're set for life. You know what I mean? Although it doesn't happen so often, but I'd say like the closest one that's happened in the last few years would be like Cola by Camel Fat, if you know what I mean? Um, And I've, I've just been lucky where I've just like had a steady kind of solid release schedule and it's it's just like slowly built and built and built and every part of every release is kind of added onto the next and some releases haven't but some of the bigger ones have um it's it's really i yeah it's, i think for me it's just about consistency and having enough people play your records at one time um 
which has really helped me. Sure. However, I think, yeah, this it, it's just about keep on keep on going, keep on going, and you yeah. might fingers crossed I'll have a hit record. <laughs> um, and if I don't, I don't. But I, in my head, I I will have one, and it will kind of take things to another level. Um, but you just never know. So what, what, is your, what is your time frame for, for 2020 in terms of how many releases you want to get out? And uh, Not many. What's ideal for you? So I've got my release schedule done for the whole of this year. Um, and we had You Take Me Higher, yeah. Hallelujah. Then I have a collab with MK coming out on my label called My Church. And then I have okay. a record with um shermanology on my label called father that they're the they're the four releases this year but i've also got a ep coming out on patrick toppin's trick oh cool uh, which is like for my label i didn't really want to release any like proper club records i want to release like a rec a club a record that can like that has like so more songs that are club based if that makes sense yeah got you um and I still write a lot of club stuff. So, yeah, I I signed that uh, not so long ago. But then I have some remixes coming out. So I have a remix of Faithless coming out. I have a remix of Duke Dumont coming out. Um, and then I think I've just been asked to do another remix of somebody else. So in, awesome. total, in total of tracks is going to be for or releases for... About seven. So, yeah, I'm writing like, I have like a, so I'm, I, I don't know if you know Jax Jones. Who's I do, like, yeah. yeah, so Jax and I are mates um, and I worked on one of his old records with him. Um, and we're kind of just like fucking about and yeah. writing some, some tracks. We've got a, working on a record at the moment with a vocal from Jem Cook. Which is really interesting because Jax is super successful in like the more pop dance world, but it's also very far away from what I write. Sure. Um, so it's like trying to get finding that balance between the two different worlds. <laughs> it is so hard. It's so hard, and I just I yeah, it's fun though because it's like a challenge that you, exactly. you have to kind of have to do and it's i really enjoy it um but yeah it's so we're working on that together and yeah you never know yeah you never know and the easiest way for you to collaborate with someone for example like you mentioned with mk do you guys sit on calls like this or do you just bounce out parts and send them over and see what the guys come up and come up with <laughs> so the mk record is has literally been in the work since 2000 and since June, 2018. Whoa. Um, so I started an idea. Then I went in the studio with him in LA. Yeah. We worked on vocal and then it kind of just got put to sleep for ages. And <clears throat> I played it and was like, this just sounds too like not, it just it just wasn't strong enough. Sure, sure. So I reworked, and my manager he was like, I don't really 
generally listen to my manager on musical musical ideas. Yeah. Um, but he's a good set of ears when it like as a like a, a crowd sense of view, if that makes sense. Cool. So yeah, I I sent that to I sent that to Mark and uh, he was like, I love it. And then we decided to put it on my label. Uh, so it's very, it's very like more undergroundy for as of like an MK release. Sure, sure. But I think a lot of people that don't necessarily, obviously MK is one of the biggest. I don't want to say legend because I don't like saying that word when it comes to like somebody that's still around. But yeah. he's he's written some of the biggest house records from the nineties. Um, like Burning was, Burning was out the year I was born. Yeah, um, and he's still doing it. So he's written like Will Smith's album, written just insane record. He wrote Nightcrawlers. Um, yeah, no, so yeah, he, he is unbelievable. So that like, I'm I'm looking forward to hearing that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, it's it's interesting. Um, Have you got family nearby, or is it FaceTime? My, my parents live next door to me. Oh, amazing. Uh, is great so i'm super lucky my brother and sister they live like 15 20 minutes away so we can't see them yeah uh, but we can facetime and yeah yeah i i baked some bread for them and delivered I, some I, was, I was i was just gonna ask <laughs> i was just gonna ask you have you have you latched on to any of these baking and over overcooking trends that have been taking well, over social media <laughs> well i I actually cook, I have like, I don't know if you know, but I have a food Instagram because I like... Oh, you're kidding, really? Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it. it's called Will Makes You Hungry. I'm going to find it right now. <laughs> I started this last year, 2019. Yeah. Because um, I love food. I love cooking. I love going to restaurants and eating good food. Um, so yeah, I I... Yeah, so I started, I started that up. Um, yeah. Yeah, so I've been cooking a lot, but I always cook as much as I can uh, when I'm home. But I get to cook for my parents like every night, which is really nice. And yeah, we've been doing a bit of baking. Me and mum have been doing a bit of baking. And, <laughs> that's awesome. Yeah, that's, I, that's amazing yeah. to have such a, uh, that, that you're so close and you can actually uh, be able to hang out with them as much as you can. Which is awesome. that's, that's what I'm saying, man. I'm super lucky. Like, for sure, I could be sure. in a lot worse situations. Right for now. sure. <laughs> well, you know, you know what the funny thing is, is I had I had an interview with some producers from Cape Town um, last week, and one of the brothers, uh, they're twins, and one of the brothers was saying how much he loves to cook as well. And uh, you mentioned it, and I, and I, I, I'm getting to a point. So I'm going to have to link all of you guys together and create a nice music to cook to playlist. <laughs> yeah, you should, man. Because it, it, it seems to be something that's like this hidden secret and hidden talent of DJs and producers that they actually have a passion for. So <laughs> we'll see what we can do on who I chat to next, seeing baking and cooking is one of those things.